Hey guys, what's up? Happy Monday. This is episode 146 of Kindled, and I'm your host, Haley. I have a great episode for you today with Marcy Morris of Provoked to Proclaim, and we're going to be talking all about false teachers. This is a hot topic right now, and a lot of you are interested in this topic, I know. Uh, Before I get into that conversation, I want to let you know a couple announcements. Number one, um, if you have not left a review for the podcast, I would love for you to go do that. You can hop into the um, Apple podcast app and do so. There's a link in the show notes right here in this episode. If you want to click that to go leave a review, I would seriously appreciate it because it always helps people find the podcast. And then secondly, um, if you have not heard about Firestarters, those are my bonus episodes that come out on Fridays. That's completely separate from this podcast, which always comes out on Mondays. And Firestarters are a little bit different in that they are not interview style. Uh, Most often they are me and the mic talking about uh, some social, cultural, political, or theological topic from a biblical worldview. So it is really the intersection of Christianity and culture that interests me the most, as I'm sure many of you know, and that is usually what I'm talking about. You know, last week I was talking about Pastor Coates and his um, arrest in Canada, in Alberta, Canada, and uh, just the the reality that a lot of the persecution on um, believers right now is actually coming from within the church, within the body of Christ, um, or at least the self-proclaimed church uh, who who are being very critical of him. And I talked about that for 37 minutes on this Firestarters. So it's really an entirely other podcast from me exclusively for Patreon uh, supporters. And it is $10 a month to join. You can join at patreon.com slash kindled podcast. All right. So um, those are my two announcements. And then I also just want to say, I was contemplating today how thankful I am that I have the opportunity to share with you each week and talk to you and be in your ears or with you while you're folding laundry or whatever you're doing. Um, I don't take that lightly. I don't think it is a right that I have. I truly thank God that he has entrusted me um, with this gift. And it really is a gift to me because I enjoy so much Um, getting to share with you, getting to talk to the guests, getting to engage with you on social media, um, hearing, you know, hearing how different episodes have helped you or encouraged you or, or how you felt alone. And then you realized that you weren't the only one who saw things the way you did. And I I mean, it's just a huge blessing in my life. And I want to say thank you to you for listening, because if I didn't have listeners, I wouldn't keep doing this. Like (laughs) I would not have made it to now year four. Um, if, if literally there was no one downloading it, but there are thousands and thousands of people downloading it every single month, every single week. And that allows me to continue to show up and, and proclaim the gospel ultimately above everything else. I know I talk about a lot of stuff on this show and there is, there's a lot of, um, a lot of ground that we cover, but more than anything else, what I always want someone to come away with is having heard the truth of who Jesus Christ is and what he did for them and that there is hope for eternity. So I just want to say thank you to to God, most of all, uh, before you, I want you to hear me say that. And also to you guys, thank you for listening. Thanks for allowing me to do that. Here's my conversation with Marcy Morris of Provoked to Proclaim. Let's hop in. All right. So today on Kindled, I'm chatting with Marcy Morris. Marcy, thank you so much for being here today. No problem. I'm happy to be here. This is a very impromptu interview, which I will let our listeners know ahead of time. Uh, I had a spot open up today and you graciously jumped in to snag it because we've been trying to find a time and it just worked out. So people will have to give us some grace that, you know, we prepped for this for all of about 30 minutes. Yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> but it, luckily for, for the listeners, this is actually a topic that you you are somewhat of an expert in. You talk about this all the time. Um, and that is the topic of false teachers and false teachings. So, um, so before we jump in, why don't you let listeners know who you are and what you do? Okay. Um, my name is Marcy Morris. Um, I have an Instagram ministry. It's called Provoked to Proclaim. <clears throat> the idea behind that, it comes from um, the book of Acts in chapter 17 when Paul goes out into Athens and he looks all around him and the scripture says that his spirit was provoked within him because he sees all the idols and his spirit just gets provoked because he knows the one true God. Mm-hmm. And so when you know the one true God and you see all the errors that are out there, your spirit should be getting provoked within you because of your loyalty 
to God. And so then it says in the verse after that, that he went out into the synagogues and in the marketplace and he started preaching the gospel. So that's the meaning behind my name provoked to proclaim. I'm seeing all kinds of errors and false teachings and uh, misunderstandings of scripture and super vague and oversimplified versions of Christianity and it's provoked my spirit within me to, mm-hmm. to get the truth out there. We don't have time yeah. to fall for a lie or a half truth. We need the full truth because only the full gospel will save. Yeah. So that's behind the idea behind the ministry and what it is. That's great. I think you and I are similar in that way. Um, <clears throat> I joke with my friends. I have some text threads, you know, with some friends that are like-minded and I joke with them that I need, uh, I need, um, outrage fodder for my platform because it's almost like, you know, yeah, I know what I believe and I, I can share the gospel and I do, but I also, um, without, you know, I, I think that some of us just have a particular bent and gifting and, um, and, maybe, you know, hidden special talent. I don't know what you want to call it. It's, it's just how we were made to perhaps, you know, recognize the red flags a little bit more, um, quickly uh, than others. And, and that can be, I will admit that can be, um, a negative for sure. It's something that can turn quickly into sin in my own heart and life. I was told growing up by my mom, you know, you are not the family police officer. Like you are not everybody's police officer because I really was just the type of kid that would be like, they're doing this, they're doing that, blah, blah, blah. You know, always wanting to like make sure everything was fair. Everything was just strong, righteous inclination towards righteousness and, and perfect upright living. Also very big tendency to become a Pharisee because then Mm -hmm. I would be very worried about what other people were doing, not not so worried about myself. Yeah. Right. And so I'm, I'm fully aware that that is a propensity, but I also know it's been something about just my personality and, and how I was kind of, you know, um, how I was made. And I, and I'm also seeing now how God is using that for good in that I am quick to identify some of the things that I'm like, wait, that language is more than just a, a random word choice that's intentional. And here's why that maybe is not the right word to use or why we should be leery of people who are saying those things. Um, and I think you, you clearly have the, that same kind of propensity. Yeah. I've, I've always been, I, I was, I've always been called a bull in a China shop <laughs> since I was a kid. Um, just because I'm, I am bold. I am outgoing. I am not, I, I don't hide my personality. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think the beauty of how, the Holy Spirit works in our lives is he takes something that was that, you know, a personality trait or something before our regeneration. And he still uses that. He just puts it in a different direction. And so I'm still bold. I'm still outgoing and I'm still willing to say the tough things, but now I have redirected that in a way that furthers the kingdom of God. And so he's used that for his glory. I have to temper that, of course, excuse me. I have to temper that, of course. Um, and I think anybody that runs a discernment, a discernment ministry, um, that is a, a problem that all of us have to face. We, we have to make sure that while we're being bold and courageous, that our, our hearts are in the right place, that we are praying for these these false teachers, we are praying for the people that are being deceived underneath them and that we're not out there to just pick fights and take names and just, you know, cancel culture. You know, we can talk about that later, but, you know, cancel culture and just get everybody's platform removed. Um, it's not enough to, to say what's wrong. You've got to replace that with what is right, because it does a listener like a, a follower of mine. It does no good for me to put out there you know, Richard Rohr is a false teacher and here's why, but then not tell you, here's what he should be teaching. This is why this is false. And this is what is right. Right. And that's what I try to do in my own, like my false teacher Fridays that I do is this is what this person has said. Here's the scriptures that show that the opposite, like they're not teaching the truth, but here is the truth. So it's not enough to just go out and say, Hey, this person's fault. You got to give them the gospel. Yeah. As well. Yeah, it's a two pronged approach. Um, And and I think that that is important to note for sure, because there are, I would say there are people who are are not doing it well, and that can, you know, any, any aspect of 
Christian, the Christian life, we can fail at because we're sinful. Um, even Christians can fail as we, as we should know by now, but, um, but yeah, if we are not, um, if we're not balanced in our approach and, and I don't mean like all things have to weigh the same amount. I mean, if we're not both concerned about, Hey, th- this is false, but also the reason that I'm upset or offended or concerned or uh, so enraged like Paul was when he saw the idols is because I know the true God, because I love God, because I'm loyal to him, because I am um, jealous for his name to be glorified. And I'm jealous for him not to be, um, you know, made out to be someone that he isn't or for him, for any ounce of his glory to be stolen. And I admit at the very same time, I can steal glory too. So it's not that I'm coming from this place of, holier than thou. I am above you. Let me point out all of your flaws and your sins. It's like, look, no, my propensity, for instance, like, let's just take, uh, you know, let's take someone like, um, Jen Hatmaker or Rachel Hollis. I mean, Rachel Hollis, I don't, I wouldn't even call her a false teacher because she's just not a Christian. She doesn't really, but she claims to be one and she has a Christian publisher. So she's very, I'm just saying. (laughs) Yeah. Right. But I mean, I guess, I mean, like she, I don't take her as seriously, you know, right. Right. I'm like, okay, girl, you're not even, you're not really, um, making that your platform, but yes, she has said she's a Christian, but okay. So the reason, like, for instance, with those, those types of teachers that, you know, I would, I, my concern would come from a place of, look, I'm a woman with, um, you know, I can have identity issues. I can have self-esteem issues. I can have motivation issues. I can, I cannot want to get out of bed in the morning. I cannot want to do a hard day. I, just like anybody else, but I need a better message than what you give me, Rachel. I need yes. a better hope than what you provide and offer. It's not that I'm saying I could never, you know, um, fall for the types of teaching that Rachel Hollis puts out. In fact, I, you know, a few years ago when she first came out with her book, I read it and I, I liked parts of it. And I was like, you know, some of this feels good and it's not all bad. Like I recognized some of it was really clearly not good. And then other parts, I was like, I don't really see the big deal. The pro- and that was, that was a lack of discernment on my part to, to not see that, like, although some of the things she said were not explicitly wrong, they also were leading me into a dangerous, into dangerous territory where I was turning to something other than scripture, other than God himself for hope, for help, for encouragement, you know, all the things that I know that you're aware of. And, um, and so I just want to say, it's not that, you know, we don't want to come from a place of self-righteousness. It's because we know our own sin propensity and we have to be on guard, you know? Yeah, I agree. I agree with everything you just said. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, um, so we talked about your ministry and kind of why you started it. Um, what, for, for anyone who's listening, who's maybe coming here a little bit more of a skeptic asking in their mind, okay, I've seen what you just called discernment ministries starting to pop up more and more. Um, and I would say I've noticed that trend too in the last, like, I don't guess, I, I guess I was not super aware of this whole culture of like Christian teachers until about three years ago, mm-hmm. maybe four years ago when I started the podcast, I started, but I started out more mainstream, like Jamie Ivy, Jenny Allen, like looking and interviewing those people, you know, asking, asking them questions. Then now I'm at a very different place. But um, my point is in asking this is, uh, you know, for the person who is skeptical, that this is something we should be doing. What would you say to that person? And I know you've gotten lots of this type of criticism and feedback already. So I'm sure yeah. you've answered that before. Um, and I have answered that a lot. And this is also, um, I have a, on my, on my page, I have a highlight called objections. And then I also have another one called, is it biblical? And these highlights are to answer these types of questions. And so I always ask people, you know, before you send me a DM chewing me out, (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, look at those first and see what the word of God says about calling out false teachers. Because, you know, you and I discussed before this started the, the number of times that Paul calls out a name in scripture um, the apostle John calls out names. Jesus has done this. The prophets have done this. Um, all of this is all through scripture. It is, it is not something new to discernment ministries today. This has been done since the beginning of time. And this is something that the, the Bible is very clear is important. We have entire books that are very focused. Like the book of Jude is, is very much about 
warning about false teachers. He, mm-hmm. he even starts that book by saying, you know, I wanted to write to you, uh, you know, to talk about our common salvation, but I know these false teachers are coming. So I need to warn you about what they're going to tell you and why they're wrong. That's the whole mm-hmm. book of Jude. Yeah. Uh, Second Peter is all about recognizing false teachers and knowing that, you know, people are creeping into the church and they, we have the apostles that are telling us these things. So it's not a far stretch for us to be able to say that we too should also be looking out for these things. We need to be on guard. Um, We also know through scripture that the gospel is what has Romans 116. It's the gospel as the power to salvation. So when you get that gospel wrong, your life, your eternal destination is at stake. And so for us to sit back and not say anything is extremely dangerous. The, The most, I always say the most unloving thing that you can do is watch your brothers and sisters start to fall for false doctrine and listen to false teachers and say nothing to them about it because we know where that road's going to go. And, you know, Ephesians, I often talk about Ephesians 5.11. It says, you know, expose these dark and uh, misconceptions of scripture. Of scripture. Mm-hmm. Ephesians is not written. It's not a pastoral epistle. It's not written to only pastors should be doing this. We all have this call. We all have the call to be more discerning, to grow in our knowledge, to grow in the grace of the Lord, to grow in our discernment. We Mm -hmm. all have that call. And so while I think there are certain things that probably would be wiser to be done by pastors who have more knowledge, I think all of us still have the duty to be aware of the different false teachings that are out there and, and call our loved ones, snatch them out of the fire as the, as the scriptures say. So I don't think that it's a fair claim to say that you shouldn't be doing this because the Bible just says otherwise. It's just mm-hmm. all over scripture warning about this thing because of, because of what's at stake. Yeah. Yeah. I think you had some great points in there. Um, and that is, that is kind of a natural thought is like, well, um, shouldn't, shouldn't it just be the pastors, the the guards, the shepherds of the flock who do this? But like you said, your pastor isn't there when you're scrolling through Instagram is he telling you false teacher? Hey, that's not biblical. Hey, that's not sound. Hey, that's going to lead you down a rabbit hole that you don't want to go down. Hey, if you start, you know, um, you know, messing around with Enneagram stuff, like I did three, four years ago when my church taught it to me, my old church, I'm not there anymore. Um, you're going to, you're going to soon find yourself listening to podcasts with father Richard Rohr on them. And you're not going to know any different that he's not a good guy to listen to you. You're going to have no clue because, because you're in waters that are poisoned and the, the fish in the poison water aren't going to tell you, they, they can't even tell you that it's poison. You know, they've become addicted to the poison. So it's like, right. How they can't help you, you know? So it's like, if you're in that place where if you are somehow in this, in the transition zone where you're going from, Hey, pure, safe, healthy, good waters to the bad waters. And there's someone there who can be like, Hey, red flag, this is not sound. This is actually not biblical. Go look for yourself. Here's the scriptures. Here's the references. I'm not trying to be your Holy spirit, but I can tell you, like, I've been there. I've done that. I've, I've read these things. It's not, it's not good. It's not like, there's no first Corinthians five 11. Paul says, um, I'm writing to you that you must not associate with anyone who claims to be a brother or sister, but is sexually immoral or greedy, an idolater, a slanderer, a drunkard, or swindler, <clears throat> not even eat with such people. Yep. A swindler. What does a swindler do? It tricks I mean, people. <laughs> yeah. And I got a question. <clears throat> I'm sorry. I got a question not long ago. You just read a verse that is perfect to answer this question about when you name false teachers, is that not the same thing as cancel culture? Is that not the same? Are you yeah. not doing the same thing that everybody's criticizing people like Twitter for doing? Right. It's not the same thing. This is different in a biblical sense because it is our standard of authority is the Bible. And in that verse, along with several others, Romans 16, 17 says it, we are to avoid these people. Yeah. They have a dangerous uh, mindset that has is capable of deceiving. And you, I love the, the um, reference you said a second ago about poison. I use a poison reference um, when I talk to people as well. And I always say that false teaching is so much like poison. And the reason that false teachers are so effective is because like poison, you only need a little bit to kill you, right? Yeah. You only need a little bit of false teaching to completely take you from 
going straight on the path, you get a little bit off this way. And then before you know it, you're in a different direction. You're like, you end up in a totally different place. And so that's what false teaching is doing. And the reason it's so subtle and effective is because usually a drop of poison is hidden inside something that otherwise is completely nutritious. It's hidden inside a substance of a food Mm -hmm. that is so small that you don't taste it, but it will still kill you. And that's what I always say about false teaching is it is something that maybe you don't recognize. Like you said, you didn't recognize it right off the bat. Mm -hmm. Um, I was the same way. Um, You don't recognize it right off the bat. But the reason that we have to warn people is because we know they will end up in a completely different direction. And that's, this is why I call out names. I don't, I'll be honest. I don't love calling out names. I really don't. But the reason I feel strongly about calling out names is because when you have a new believer or a baby Christian, they're, they go and Google Christian podcasts. We think there's going to come up like Joyce Meyer, Joel Osteen, Stephen Burtick. All these names are going to come up. You're not going to have a Virgil Walker come up on the first second. You're going to have to dig for that. And so these are the people they're going to start listening to. And so what happens is they'll start listening to Joyce Meyer. She's going to say some good stuff. Sure. And they're going to listen and they're going to say, oh, that's really good. And that's Mm -hmm. true. I like her. I'm going to keep listening to her. And before you know it, or you're like agreeing with Joyce Meyer that um, you can be sinless. Yeah. (laughs) Or Dr. Caroline Leaf, you know, new age, like, yes, but these are people that, I mean, truly Christians that I know who I know are Christians. These are not people. I'm not saying only non-Christians listen to them. No people. I know who are Christians who believe in Jesus Christ, who will be in heaven someday are listening to this garbage and they are being swept up in it. And they, and they really don't know any better. And they hear something good. Like you said, there's, there's a good reference to a scripture. There's a great point. There's an encouraging word that's spoken in those things are real. Those, they really do say some, you know, like Lacey Rabelais always says a, blo- a broken clock is right twice a day. You know, exactly. there's, there's going to yep. be some things they say that are absolutely true and harmless. It's not mm-hmm. those things that we're talking about. We're not saying every word out of their mouth is a blatant lie. We're saying that intermixed into that nutritious meat that you talked about, that is healthy and good for you, like the scripture they may read before they go and completely take it out of context. Um, <laughs> you know, that there's going to be some poison that, that you don't realize you've swallowed along with the meat. And, you know, I hate the analogy so much. I, I, I don't have words for the, how much I hate this analogy, chew the meat and spit out the bones, because do you know what that is always used to do is to justify eating poison meat. Yes. Mm -hmm. That is always what someone is doing when they use it because, and I went to a church that always said that statement and always said that saying, and you know, when they said that was when they were teaching me the Enneagram and when they were sharing quotes from progressive, um, you know, progressive, uh, Christians like John Mark Comer. And I didn't know that these people, I didn't know what contemplative prayer was. I didn't know what the new age was. I didn't know that mindfulness is actually a term from Buddhism. I didn't know any of that stuff. I just thought sounds positive. Sounds good. Uh, Lectio Divina. Great. You repeat this, this verse three times and you, you know, blah, blah, blah. You do these things. You envision this, you envision that. I don't see the problem with that. I didn't have a reason to see the problem with it because I didn't have discernment yet. I I had not flexed that muscle at all. And I didn't realize that the meat I was eating, like what, who wants to spit out the bones of the poison meat? You want to spit out the entire mouthful. Yes. Like I just, it's, it's crazy to me that, that this is, and so, okay, all of that to say, this is why people like you and I exist now, because we have been fed the poisonous meat. We have actually chewed it and swallowed and it's made us sick and we've thrown up. And now we're like, Hey guys, you know, like, please don't eat that. It's not good for you. I, I care about done that. <laughs> right. It's not because we have a, a chip on our shoulder or a bone to pick with these random people online that we will never meet. Like, frankly, I know I'm not, I'm not, you know, going to ever have the reach Stephen Furtick does not here to try and compete with him. My point in doing it is saying, Hey, I've been there and it has really, it has really pulled me away from the gospel. Following these things has, has not grown me. I was not, I was not growing or being transformed in the season where I was indulging the flesh in loving learning about myself in the Enneagram and mm-hmm. what a three I was and what an eight I was and how my <laughs> one wing was blah, 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 blah. You know, I, I, I didn't grow. I wasn't growing in the like likely or in the uh, likeness of Christ at all. Right. And, and so 
I wish I could get those years back to be honest. I, like, I am right there with you. I honestly, sometimes I'll pray and be like, why did you not bring me to this place sooner? I could have right. used those years so much better. Mm-hmm. Um, but we must remember he's sovereign and he's good. So he yes. knows what he's doing and he knows yes. his timing. Um, but you had said something a second ago too, about, you know, people that are kind of accusatory of people that expose false teaching. You know, that's something I also get a lot is, and this goes for discernment ministries in general. This is something I get a lot. I've gotten a couple of messages that are worded similar to this, where people are saying, you're only doing what you're doing so you can get a bunch of likes and so that, you know, you can get a big following. Let me be very clear. If you think that this, what I do is just getting a bunch of likes, I invite you into my inbox because I get some of the harshest things said to me. Oh, I'm sure you do. And I've had to just learn to delete, delete, delete. And um, my small group, who is really the backbone of what I do, they are my support system. They're my girls that pray for me constantly. And they, when right when I started this ministry, that was the first thing that I asked them to pray for is pray that the Lord gives me some thick skin because I know what's coming. I know what happens when you call out a Stephen Furtick. Yeah. Uh, or a Beth Moore or somebody like that. I know what's going to come. And it did. Um, I have gotten all kinds of, um, I mean, as harsh as a, you know, kill yourself message. You're the what's wrong with Christianity message mm-hmm. and, you know, all harsh language, just all kinds of things. So if you really think that people out here doing discernment ministries are doing it to gain some kind of attention, I assure you they're not <laughs> because we uh, are getting all kinds of bad yeah. things. If you us. wanted followers, you would just go <clears throat> repost all of the encouraging, all of that. You know, positive <laughs> motivational quotes that Rachel Hollis and Jen Hatmaker are saying. Like that's yes. how you get followings mm-hmm. like them is you say, everybody's in the table's long enough and wide enough. Everybody's in. There's no rules. There's no way. There's no wrong or right. It's just whatever. Yeah. Love, 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 love. <laughs> that's, that's how you get a big following guys. That's why they have as many followers as they do. Yes. <laughs> and, and we don't. <laughs> Right. No. And we never will. And that's right. okay because I'm fine with God that. does a lot with a little Gideon's army had to get smaller and smaller and smaller until God could actually say, now they will know it's me. It's you know, you. like that God's is what, story. Mm-hmm. Right. It's not about us. God. Yeah. God, please take the platform from me. If I ever make it about me about, or having mm-hmm. a following. I agree. Um, I agree. Okay. So another thing that I want to ask you about is uh, the, the difference between a false teacher and a heretic, because this is another area that I think a lot of us maybe don't have a strong definition on. Can you help us clarify what is the difference between those two things? Yes. Um, this is also something when you call out false teachers, you want to be really careful in this area as well. Um, someone famous said this, I feel like it was Justin Peters, but I could be wrong. Um, all heretics are false teachers, but not all false teachers are heretics. That was him. So Thank you. I figured it was. Um, but he he made that point so well. And the point of saying that is to say that in order to be a heretic, you have to actually deny the uh, core foundations of the faith that make us Christians. So these are things like the Trinity. So when you talk about modalism, so for example, in my Stephen Furtick False Teacher Friday, I mentioned the clip back in January of 2020, where he was giving modalism language. Uh, This shouldn't be surprising to anybody because Stephen Burtick has said that his mentor is T.D. Jakes, who is an open modalist. So those kinds of things and an an inaccurate understanding of the Trinity, um, the divinity of Jesus Christ, those things are core doctrines to the faith. uh, Grace by faith alone, all of that is core to Christianity. If you cannot believe those things, then you, then you are a heretic. If you teach anything other than that, you're a heretic. False teaching is a much broader scale where you can do all kinds of things and say all kinds of things that would fall under false teaching, as in that's not what the scriptures say. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to refer to like eisegesis being in this, in this area um, misunderstanding the scriptures, misapplying the scriptures in the wrong way consistently. Um, I still would say, even in that realm, I'm still slow to call someone a false teacher unless I have seen that they have made the same mistake over and over again, particularly if they have a bigger platform where other people have called them out, they have been rebuked, they've been corrected, and they still continue to teach this uh, false teaching, 
even though it's not against a core doctrine, it would still classify as a false teaching. Um, so the scales are completely different. A really good, um, another good way to look at the um, heresy line is, you know, a lot of the early church dealt with heresies, and this goes into some church history, but a lot of the early church had to deal with um, heresies entering in. And so this is why they have a lot of the creeds that we have today. Um, a lot of our creeds and confessions were to affirm what the, uh, the early church already believed through the scriptures and through the teaching of the apostles and to reject certain heresies that mm-hmm. were coming in. So another good thing to look at is what do those um, documents say? What do, what do these creeds and confessions and um, all of those things say about certain heresies and those we would call heretics as well. So if you're denying certain aspects, uh, you know, the deity of Christ saying, you know, Christ, this is what Richard Rohr does. He separates uh, Jesus, the man from the yes. Christ. He separates right. um, the, the hypostatic union. So we're, we're, we, when he separates that, he's basically saying Jesus himself was not God. Right. That's heresy. And Bill Johnson um, does the same thing with yes. with his uh, kenosis theory, which is that Jesus, when he came to earth, emptied himself of his divinity and just became a man. And so he was he was really he was not he was not the God man. He was a man in right relationship to God, according yeah. to Bill Johnson. Yeah. And that one gets tricky. That one can get really detailed um, a lot. When I did my Bill Johnson False Teacher Friday, I actually didn't even mention that because my false teacher Fridays are also kind of aimed at the average lay person and mm-hmm. the kenosis theology can get really detailed. Mm-hmm. And so Bill Johnson's so messed Hard up in theology in other ways. So it wasn't right. even worth going there because there's other things that we can talk about. Right. Totally. Philosophy on healing and all of those things. So, uh, but yes, those are all things that are when you're, when you're um, misrepresenting who the Godhead is, mm-hmm. that's heresy. Yeah. Okay. That's helpful to distinguish. Um, one thing I wanted to share and I want to hear your thoughts on these, or if you have like bullets that you go through to determine, well, do you have like a a rubric of, of of questions that you, that you apply when you're trying to decide whether or not someone is a false teacher? I mean, I guess when I'm, I don't really have a bullet point of list of, of how I make that determination, but I do always I try to clarify, are we talking first order doctrines? Are we talking secondary or tertiary yeah. doctrines? Um, and then I look at like, how often did it, like I said, yeah. go, how often are they doing it? Mm-hmm. Have they been corrected? Are they still doing it? Right. Um, and I don't like to listen to, I said this with Jason in his podcast. I don't like to listen to like little minute and a half clips. This happens to me all the time. Someone will send me a little clip that's Mm -hmm. like 90 seconds and they're like, is he a false teacher? And I'm like, "Mm, I I can tell you that what he's saying in here is false, but I don't want to make the clarification of saying he's a false teacher if I don't know anything else about him. Right. Yeah. So I don't know if I have bullet points, but I usually look at those things. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that sounds, well, I'll share what I, what I found. This was from a John Piper article and it's very similar to to what you just mentioned. Um, He says there's five bullet points or or five maybe uh, things to look for when determining whether someone is a false teacher. And that is um, the seriousness and deceitfulness of the error, the size of the audience, is it growing? Three, the duration of their ministry. Did they make one blunder or are they constantly doing it? Four, the vulnerability of the people for whom you are responsible. And five, the role you have in influencing shepherds who really need to be discerning for who the false teachers are. Um, and I thought that was like a very, you know, holistic look at, you know, how to evaluate um, whether or not someone's a false teacher and, uh, you know, and and helpful for us because, you know, he's not saying, and, and I mean, John Piper's just a man, he's not the Bible, but right. um, mm-hmm. we do have some scripture references that we can, we can bring up in a second. Um, but what I would say is like, uh, on that last point, this has maybe been my, my most confusing aspect of this whole discussion for myself as I've just weighed, you know, how do, how do I look at, you know, cause I have a platform too. I have a podcast. Mm-hmm. I, I have influence. Like I don't want to mismanage that. I don't want to misuse it. I want to use it well. I want to steward it. I want to be careful. I want to realize that if I go out and start teaching, I mean, I am in a lot of ways teaching women things 
if I'm teaching, I'm going to be held accountable. I want to make sure that I'm not um, overstepping my authority, right? So I'm not a pastor. Don't believe women should be pastors. So I don't want to act as though I am the pastor of my Instagram church. Okay. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that fifth point of the role you have in influencing the shepherds who really do need to be discerning for who the false teachers are. I think that what that goes back to what you said earlier is that we have a role because we have minds that, that are supposed to be being renewed and we're supposed to be being transformed by the renewing of those minds by both being in the scriptures, knowing what the truth is. And then also then because we know the truth, being able to recognize the false teaching now where a lot of what we do comes into play is with people who actually aren't in the scriptures. They aren't reading their Bibles. They don't know what the Bible says. They just, like you said, search in a podcast app for a Joyce Myers. They find us on Instagram because we shared a photo that they liked or a friend shared in their stories. They come to our page. And, you know, if, if I never, ever mentioned any names or anything and just said, okay, go, just go, go know the scriptures, no truth for yourself. That would be one thing, but it would also not take into account the fact that there's like, that's this sort of the same in my mind as me saying to my kids, like, Hey, you are, I expect you to know what is healthy. And I want you to go to the fridge and make yourself a meal that is healthy. And I don't tell them, I, I don't, I don't show them for, for example, this is healthy. This is why I don't teach them. They're just children. They don't know better. They, I mean, they could maybe make a guess based on things I've said, but it's only because I've said it's not healthy for our bodies to have powdered donuts for breakfast every day, like maybe right. once in a while, but we can't do that every day. It's not good for us. They know that because I've told them. So there is this aspect of, being young in your faith, being immature, being um, uh, your, your faith is kind of untested, untried, undeveloped. It's not that we don't want people to develop in their own faith, their ability to do this. I would love if I never had to call it out again, because everyone just knew I would yep. love that, but that's just not the reality. And we know that because of the, what scripture tells us about sanctification and growing in godliness and from one degree of glory to the next, yeah. it is a gradual process. So for all those that are at the beginning of that process, um, it's, it's much harder. And you and I know this because we've been there, you know, it's really hard to tell the difference. So I think we do have a role. And the last thing I'll say is that I learned from my pastor uh, a couple weeks ago, I had dinner at his house. And I, you know, I learned from him that he is spending the bulk of his time in the scriptures, yes, which is exactly what he's supposed to do. And because of that, he often doesn't know the newest name. He doesn't know the, the freshest podcast or the newest, the, the hip young, you know, whatever, like progressive Christian, that's kind of taking Instagram by storm and with their new book coming out and making all these big waves. He just doesn't know because he, he's doing what he's supposed to be doing. Shepherding the flock, like taking care of his congregation. He's not scrolling all day on Instagram. Like a lot of us are. And I'm not saying that we are necessarily doing that, but you know what I'm saying? Like his job is a huge job. And so when I mentioned some names to him, he didn't know who they were, but I, you know, it's helpful for him that I said, yeah, like, this is what a lot of people are listening to or reading, or this is something that I've, I've really come become aware of. And it's really dangerous. And, and then when we talk about it, he, uh, he can hear why. And he's like, wow, yeah, that's, that's crazy. That's terrible. You know? So he was appreciative, like that. I actually yeah. told him. I think the, um, this is the perfect example of exactly what you just said. Um, the newest maybe not newest because it's really an age old debate. It's just been presented in a new way. The newest, I think, false gospel that has recently come onto the scene is the social justice gospel, obviously. Sure. Yeah. And so what we're finding is that lay people who maybe have more time to listen to, you know, a two hour just thinking podcast that breaks down everything about the social justice gospel or reading articles from Josh Bice and listening to those. Um, our pastors are not always going to have time to do that because they have one job and one job is to feed those sheep. And like you said, they're in the scriptures planning their sermons. Um, it is helpful to them when we take the time to go to them and say, hey, just so you know, this is what's going on right now, because right. a good pastor, like you said, is, is not really going to be flipping through Instagram all right. the time. Right. Um, they're focused on the scriptures as they should be. Um, but that that's another good thing to be able to point out is as these false gospels come out and as you start to see the sheep around you, because especially with the social justice gospel, if we're going to use that as an example, we on on Instagram or social media platforms, we are seeing people fall for this thing 
like the snap of a finger. It is happening so fast. And that's the times that we need to be going to our pastors and saying, I know that you're not on social media, right? but I need you to know that this is what your sheep are seeing. Exactly. And then that gives him the clue. Okay, then then I need to address this. Exactly. I, need, I need to start exactly. looking through these things and yeah. approach the sheep and do exactly what Jude did. Yeah. You know, I want to talk to you about the gospel. I want to talk to you about our common salvation, but I need you to contend for the faith in this area. Exactly. This is what's coming in. And right. I think that's a perfect example of that. The pastors need us and we're all kind of, you know, working together yeah. to protect the sheep. Um, this is Christianity. I don't, I don't know who says this, but Christianity is not a come on Sunday, take your spot in the same pew, listen to yeah. a message, leave. And that's it. Like we all have work to do. Right. And, and you had said a second ago, <clears throat> the Bible is the foundation um, <clears throat> for a new believer. I get this question a lot too. A lot of people follow me who have just come into the faith. They've just come into learning about reformed theology and all of these different things. And so all of these concepts are really new. And so they're looking at these false teachers and they're saying, Hey, what, what can I read? What book can I read? That's going to like break down these things for me. Every single time I will always say you read no book, but the Bible first, your Bible is the standard. And that is what's true. You can't counteract what's false unless you know, what's true first, Exactly. know the truth Mm -hmm. first. And then there's countless supplemental books that you can read based on different uh, types of false gospels that are out there. You know, if somebody Mm -hmm. comes to me and if somebody comes to me and has said, you know, I have read all of the Bible. I just came out of the word of faith movement, kind of our new apostolic reformation, like help me with this. I'm going to say, okay. I need you to read Costi Hens' Defining Deception. I need you to read John MacArthur's Strange Fire. These are books that can supplement, but you have to have that grounding in the Bible. Mm-hmm. You won't be able to recognize a counterfeit right. if you don't know what's true. And exactly. that's what false teachers are counting on. They're counting on Bible illiteracy. Yeah. And it is too rampant. If we didn't have Bible illiteracy, we wouldn't have false teachers because they sure. couldn't succeed. Right. Really, the problem is us. We need to know the Bible more. Right. Right. And and yeah, so that is why you take a two-pronged approach of both, hey, this isn't true. This is true. Always. It's hand in hand. It's it, yeah. it, They go together. You don't divorce them. It's not, you know, and I think that there is, you know, to, to the point of, well, you just want numbers. There is a certain aspect of human nature that we like a train wreck. We like, we want to see what is just on fire, you know? I we mean, we want to see the carnage. <laughs> yeah, we don't, and we don't really want people to die, but we want to see like, oh my gosh, how bad is it? Oh, what yeah. happened over there? You know, you're rubbernecking <laughs> it on the road as you're driving and you're, and I think it's like there's some percentage, 30 or 40% of all accidents are happening because they were looking at another accident. Like, right. Mm-hmm. I've heard that before. Um, And so there is a certain aspect of us that yes, we do have a propensity as human beings because we're fallen and because we are sinful to to want to see the people going up in flames or someone else, you know, saying someone else has it wrong. Um, I get that, but we temper that with again, preaching the truth and and not, and not just divorcing the two from each other. I think that it is possible to do discernment ministry wrong. I think there are some people Mm -hmm. who are doing it in a way that is maybe graceless and more of a watchdog. Like I'm ready to just, I'm at the door and I'm just going to nip you in the the heels. The second you walk through, if you know, it's just, I think that there is a a way to do it well and then a way to not do it well. But just because someone is doing it not well, doesn't mean we don't do it at all. Right. We don't, we don't say, well, the whole thing just needs to be tossed out. No, let's look at the Bible again. We're going to get annoying because that's all we're just, let's look and see what, what happened in the Bible. And uh, and also on what you said a second ago, like just because someone is not doing it well, doesn't mean that what they're saying isn't actually true. That's true. I know a lot of people who like, I love Chris Roseboro at fighting for the faith. I I love listening to him and listening to his sermon. A lot of people think he's a little harsh that he, he comes off as sarcastic and kind of harsh. And I can see that I really can, but it doesn't make what he's saying any less true. Right. But it might make him less effective if he's not speaking with. Yes. 
Right. It, it can. <clears throat> but I would still caution people when you're listening to discernment ministries, dig into what they're saying and where they're comparing something to scripture. If you're listening to a discernment ministry that really all they're doing is tearing down a person, that's not a discernment ministry. Yeah. <laughs> that's heresy hunting. That's it. I mean, that's yes. all you're doing is tearing down a person. I have no desire and for the most part of like, even a Justin Peters is like that when it comes to his desire is never to condemn a person, to right. tear them down and just make them nothing. Right. His desire is to show the correct theology for that person to repent, to come to a knowledge of the true gospel and to use that platform to bring the knowledge of God, the correct right. knowledge of God to the forefront for people. Yeah. So that's the thing with the, you're right. There are certain discernment ministries that I think are totally just doing it for the wrong reasons. They're doing it to tear people down. Those I would definitely not listen to, but if you're listening to somebody that might just be a preference of the way they're handling it, mm -hmm. I don't necessarily agree with, you know, not having grace or being too sarcastic or all those things. Um, but dig down into what they're saying because you cannot like someone's personality, but it doesn't make what they're saying any less totally. true. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that reminds me of this other part in this John Piper article, which I will link in the show notes for people. Cause it is a really great article. Actually, he goes into depth on false teaching. Um, he says that our job, okay, well, let me start with this. There there's a verse. Um, what is it? Hold on. Let me look up where this verse is. First uh, Corinthians four, five says, Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Then each one will receive his commendation from God. So that is sometimes used as a verse to say, look, don't pronounce judgment before the time. That's what people might say to, to someone like you who's doing a discernment ministry or like me. And John Piper responds and says, that means that verse is actually saying, do not do what only Christ can do in that last day on the day of judgment. Don't presume to know the heart like Jesus will know the heart on that day. Only Christ <clears throat> will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. But for now, our job is to do mouth judgment, writing judgment, and behavior judgment, not yeah. heart judgment. That's condemnation, judging someone's heart and saying, you are going to hell because I know the motive of your heart. I know I can see into your heart and it's bad and it's wicked and it's unre unredeemed. That is sin. We should not, must not do that, but we can do mouth judgment. What someone says, writing judgment, what they write in a book or online and behavior judgment, how they're living their life. What we see, what's the fruit that often indicates a root. And so I can't say for sure whether any given person is a Christian or not, is really a follower of Christ or not. And that's not for me to say, but what I can say is, well, they said this, this, and this, they wrote this, this, and this, and they are living their life in this way that actually goes against what I see, what I see in scripture. So I'm going to say that's not teaching we should be following, uh, following. And those are not, that's not someone that you should trust <laughs> with your mind and heart. And so, I mean, these are physical bodies that God gave us to glorify him with. And he tells us how to use them. If we're using them to live unbiblically and in a destructive manner, that's a problem. That's then you've got Ephesians 5, 11, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them, show them yeah. to be wrong, you know? And so I think that that is, um, that, that was a great response in terms of, you know, don't judge, don't judge, which I know is, you know, obviously that's out of context as well. Well, and it also on what you were saying, you know, Jesus even says you will know them by their fruit. And so obviously the fruit is what hangs on the outside of the tree. We can't see the root, which I think would be an, an instance of the heart. I can't see their heart. I can't judge yeah. their heart, but I can see what's hanging on the outside of it. Right. <clears throat> and, and that fruit is evidence of what's inside. Yeah. And I think discernment ministries in general, for the most part, the ones that I like to follow are, are very quick to say, you know, I'm not saying this person is going to hell. I'm saying that if they truly believe what they are saying and they continue in that belief until the day they die, it will lead them to hell. Right. But not making that is not judging their hearts is not our job. And I actually get that question a lot too of, well, do you think this person's going to hell? Not my job. 
Right. That's not, not, not my, my concern fault. either. I mean, <laughs> I, of know. Course, I, I don't want anyone to perish eternally, but, but that's not up to me. God can save anyone in any way or by any means that he deems, you know, uh, that is going to bring him glory, whether that's on their deathbed or young in their childhood. And they are a follower their whole life. You know, I mean, he right. saved the thief on the cross at the very last moment. So we, we cannot say for sure. And it's not our, it's not our place to say that, but it does not, that that's almost like a, a little bit of a moot point. Like, well, no, we're not, we're not saying that someone is or isn't saved. We're saying what they are saying with their mouth is not the true word of God or not. The, that's not it's biblical dangerous. Teaching. Mm-hmm. And Paul actually six different places, uh, names, destructive false teachers. And I will just give those references real quick for anyone who wants to go check those out. He says in second Timothy four ten, says Demas in love with this present world has deserted me. In 2 Timothy 1.15, he says, you are aware that all who are in Asia turned away from me, among whom are Figilus and Hermogenes. Uh, and then in 1 Timothy 1.19 and 20, he says, by rejecting this faith and a good conscience, some have made a shipwreck of their faith, among whom are Hymenaeus and Alexander. 2 Timothy 2.17, their talk will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus. So actually, I'm sorry, there was four references there, but six teachers named, yeah, mm-hmm. um, destructive teachers. And so, I mean, Paul is doing it. He is exposing, uh, he is exposing the sickness to minimize, minimize the spread. That's, mm-hmm. that's the point. That's the purpose. It's not to, um, condemn those people and say, they're all going to hell. It's not to, uh, tear them down and who they are and, you know, bad mouth them and ruin their lives. He's saying, Hey, there are some who have made a shipwreck of their faith. There are some who have literally taken what was meant to keep them afloat in the ocean, in, in rough waters, and they have shipwrecked it. It's become useless. It's become a disaster because of false teachings and rejecting the faith that they were given and that, that, you know, that we are preaching. And so how can we not say, Hey, this is, this is wrong. It's a problem. If we don't, I think that indicates that we don't really love the one who saved us that much. Like we don't love, really loving your neighbor. Highly. Yeah. Loving your neighbor means you got to tell your neighbor the truth Yeah, <laughs> and not, you know, allow it in, in their sin. And, you know, I, if you don't mind, I was going to quote Costi. We yep. were talking about this a second ago because he, he puts this so well. Um, <clears throat> Costi Hen says, when people wonder why publicly calling out false teachers is a big deal, simply ask, Would you point out a known sex offender in a neighborhood full of children? Would you warn others if an active shooter were present in a shopping mall? Would you not pick up your infant if a pit bull entered the nursery? Of course. Then why wouldn't we be faithful to point out dangers and protect the precious children of God? That's why we do what we do. We're we're trying to warn people because we know where their path is going to lead if they continue to believe and teach the things that they're believing and teaching. And we, and we love them and we love, like, we love God and we love people. And that's why we do this. But isn't that just how the devil always works? He distorts what is true and and what reality is. And he says, no, that's actually unloving. It's actually hateful and you're bigoted and you're, you know, you're evil and you just want to tear people down when in reality, it's like, no, I want to build up the body of Christ. I want to help people. I want to encourage them in their faith. I want to encourage them to stand strong, even though the cultural waters around us are swirling. I know they are. I know that it's tempting. I know there's a lot of stuff that looks good and is um, vapid and empty and, and worse than that, actually destructive and dangerous. So, so no, that that's not it. But he he always distorts. He always twists. He always it's just like a, a quarter degree turn, and all of a sudden, you know, the cap is going to be stuck. It's not going to come off. You know, it it doesn't take much for it to be off, and then all of a sudden, you know, it's useless, and um, and it's actually you're you have shipwrecked your faith. And so, yes. I mean, especially having experienced. Uh, I would say a near miss with, with my own experience um, coming out of a progressive church that, that I didn't know it was progressive. I didn't even know the word progressive when I was in that right. church. I didn't even know right. what that meant. I just, I, I loved my church. I loved my pastors. I, they, they started out. And here's the other thing guys, for those listening, I was at a church for 10 years that started out expositional preaching the gospel. I would have said even reformed. Like I, I would have said a lot of things. But over those 10 years, 
some false teachings seeped in to the leadership, it to individual people that I could tell you their name. And then from there, those seeped into their teaching behind the pulpit and, and actually first to like the classes that they were offering first to the classes, then to the small groups, then to the pulpit, then to the conferences where they were training small group leaders, then to our small groups. It is gangrene. Like that is why I am passionate about it because I literally lived it. it it's not some... Yeah. It's not some sort of idyllic, like, I just, I love the truth in black and white. And I just want to preach the truth because I'm obsessed about the truth. It's like, no, I lived the sickness and I saw 10 years of my life. I, it's like, it's like, I woke up. I mean, I would say I woke up maybe three years ago, but like from a sleep, it was a slumber that had lulled me to sleep where I was not growing either in my mind or in my, in my, in my heart. Like I just wasn't. It was like, I wasn't, I'm not saying I wasn't a Christian the whole time. I just was lulled to sleep by things that had eventually shifted. Like you said, we took a fork in the road and it was such a subtle difference at the time. I never could have noticed. I didn't notice it at all. But then after a few years, it was like, how did we get here? And, And I woke up to with a jolt and that's when we left the church, you know? And so it's like, this is exactly why this is so important that we do this and, and in love for the right reasons, because we do love people. We don't want them to end up 10 years in a church that is preaching social justice, woke gospel and teaching them the Enneagram on a Friday and Saturday. Yes, man. <laughs> There's a lot of churches that do that too. And, yeah. and, you know, the, with, like you said, with the false teaching, I mean, that's back to the, you know, chew the meat, spit out the bones analogy, because that's what is often the the argument against it is, well, maybe everything they say is not perfect, but I mean, they have such a good effect. I got, I got this yesterday, this message. <clears throat> um, I know that what they're saying is, is not always true, but isn't it because their platform is so big that they're bringing people to Jesus and then people will eventually dig down and learn more. Okay. The danger with that is that they're not bringing them to Jesus. They're bringing them to a Jesus that looks nothing like the one in scripture. So this is why it's so important to realize that the gospel is the power of salvation, but you got to get the gospel, right? You've got to get the Godhead, right? These things, that's why they're core doctrines. And so if you're getting any of these things wrong, it doesn't matter how big your platform is. I mean, you can have someone like a Richard War who has written tons of books and talks about the Enneagram and he's deceived Christians left and right with that thing. But at the end of the day, people are saying, well, maybe the Enneagram's wrong, but you know, Richard Rohr preaches about Christ. So maybe people get drawn in with the Enneagram and then eventually they learn the other stuff. No, what you bring them with is what you're going to have to keep them with. And right. that will not work. You have to get people with the gospel. It is the right. gospel that changes hearts of stone into hearts of flesh. Nothing yeah. else. No entertainment. Yeah. None of that. I think that's true. And, you know, the one thing I would add to that is that I got this question. I was actually checking my question box because I asked uh, on Instagram if anyone had questions for you. And I did get this question that that is kind of related to what you're talking about. Um, so what if, you know, like what if we we were brought into the faith through an avenue such as this? Like we we heard Joyce Meyer through some sort of like mainstream deal. And then eventually we heard the gospel and God, you know, saved us and then he saved us out of that how can we say those things are bad if they're, if they're actually, if I, if that's been my story and what I would say to that is God can save you out of anything. Like God will save you out of anything. If you are his, you will be his. There is nothing. There's no teaching, no doctrine, nothing that can separate you from the love of God. So if that is what he deems to, to do in your life, to, to rescue you, to save you, to redeem you, and you are called, you will be justified. You will be sanctified. You know, you will be glorified. But does that mean that we then promote or somehow, you know, codify or coddle these, like these, these ministries that are actually preaching a false gospel, just because we want the the warm bodies in seats so that they can maybe hear the word Jesus. And, and, and then somehow we think that if they hear the word Jesus, God has a better chance of reaching them with the true gospel. Not at all. I, I don't think so. Now, those things are always going to exist. So like Joyce Meyer's not going away because you and I say she's a false teacher. 
right. Stephen Furtick's not going away. He's going to still be there. He's still going to be preaching his watered down messages. He's still going to have huge churches. He's still going to be giant, mega, you know, successful. He's like, he's worth $55 million. He is big time. Okay. He's not going away. So you don't need to protect that. Those things are going to exist. What we need to protect is the true gospel and the true message. And we need to protect and, and fight for um, it in, in its purity, not in its distortion. So those things are real. God can save people out of them. And he does. It doesn't mean that we then say, okay, let's flip it around. And now let's like pour money into them so we can, you know, create some sort of a lure that catches the, as many people into this false It just doesn't make sense. Yeah. I would also go a little further on that one to say, um, yes, God can save us out of movements. He does it all the time. Right. Um, that's what regeneration looks like, but we never want to presume on God's grace. It is by his grace alone, his mercy alone, that he pulls people out of these movements. But even in the verbiage itself pulled me out of that, you're indicating that what you were in is wrong and bad. You should never defend that. You should never, you should right. put it away, avoid it, flee from it. Because if he pulled you out of it, right. that means it wasn't right. Right. Should so we go on sittings not- so that grace abounds all the more as Paul right. said? Absolutely yes. Not. You should, you should not continue in that. And, and you never want to kind of this kind of, you just quoted something that's a, about antinomianism. So it's kind of in the same fashion of, you know, I can be in a false movement and, you know, I might be falling for false teachings, but you know, God, if he's good and this is wrong, he'll pull me out of it. Yeah. Don't presume on God's grace. He has given you everything you need to know in this book. Yeah. You need to be able to study this book and recognize those false teachings for yourself. Right. And it is only by his grace that we, that we come out of these movements and that we come to a knowledge of the truth. But that's why we have this infallible word that is true in everything that it says. And that is why we are supposed to be studying it. And that is the number one problem of why false teaching is so effective. And is such a problem today in the church is because yeah. people quit reading their Bible. Right. And I think you and I agree. We do not want to be anyone's Holy spirit. That's not no. our desire or goal. You know, that's... nor is it to be your pastor. Like no. I'm giving, we give online tips, tricks. Hey, here's who you shouldn't follow. Here's some terms you should know. Right. But I am not your pastor. Haley is not your pastor. So if you if you come with more questions, I really would encourage you to take them to your local pastor. He is your shepherd, not us. And you know what, though, Marcy, a lot of times when I get questions that are in that vein, when I press and say, do you have a local church? They don't. They don't. Mm -hmm. So so it, it is not, you know, it is not incumbent on me to not do what I'm doing just because some people don't have a church and turn to Instagram. That's on them. I'm not saying I want them to do that. That's, that's wrong. You shouldn't be doing that. Um, don't ask me questions that belong in a counselor's office during a counseling session. I'm not going to counsel you on Instagram. I mean, nor, nor should anyone really, I'll pray for you. I will send you scripture. I will send you resources. I will send you, uh, you know, the legionnaire, how to find a local church Mm -hmm. page, all that stuff, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to take that role in anyone's life. Um, That's not our skill set anyways. And I've said this a couple of times to different people in a message, like my skill set is kind of tuned into this one area. If you're going to come to me and ask me questions about something that's outside of that area, I have no choice, but to send you to your pastor. That's his job. That's not, that's not our job. Right. Yep. Well, the last thing I want to add, I just saw another verse that was in my notes that I, I had not, um, shared to this point, I don't think one of us has mentioned it is first Timothy five, 19 through 20, where Paul goes beyond just avoid them in regards to false teachers to saying, and he says, rebuke them publicly. So, and he was speaking of elders who persist in error. He said, do not admit a charge against an elder, except on the evidence of two or three witnesses as for those who persist in sin. And that can be sin of false doctrine or sin of evil behavior. Um, anyone who does not accept correction, rebuke them in the presence of all so that the rest may stand in fear. Yes. Hi, baby. Okay. My baby, <laughs> my husband's dropping off the baby. Come here, sweetie. <laughs> okay. She's fine. Um, so that is, uh, you know, uh, that goes a, a, again, back to don't just avoid, but rebuke them publicly. Now, yes, that's going to be coming from a place of love. It needs to come from a place of love or else it, it can easily turn into condemnation. 
However, you love the flock. You love God. You love the truth. You love what he has done. You love the good news. That's why we do this. And so I just, I really would encourage people to, um, and I'm sure you could speak to this, uh, that, you know, if you find yourself thinking that anyone doing this is doing it in an unloving way or is, is, you know, maybe you're listening to the world more than you are to the truth. The Bible. <laughs> hey, sweetie, yeah. Hold on. She wants the nail polish box open. Oh, okay. Um, this is what you do with, uh, you know, third kids. You just let them have whatever they want. That's Here true. you go. Play with the nail yep. polish. There you go. Well, Marcy, I appreciate you so much and what you're doing. And I think um, it's a very fine line that you are walking well. It's really hard. I know that it's a hard line to kind of walk that, you know, uh, the balance, like we're talking about of speaking the truth in love and and not condemning, but doing this from a place of, you know, really caring for the body of Christ and wanting to see it built up in truth. Um, so thank you for, for stepping out there and putting yourself on the line and receiving all those terrible DMs. <laughs> Well, that's okay. I, I appreciate it. And I'm willing to do it. I would encourage people to pray for those who are the bold ones that are speaking out because it's not easy. It's no, it's a very difficult um, thing to do, but um, somebody's got to do it. <laughs> yes. Yes. And God, you know, he gives grace for, uh, for In our weaknesses. Gives, yeah. For what we, what, what he calls us to, you know? And so, yes. yeah, thankful for that. Um, where can people connect with you online? Um, I'm on, well, my main ministry is going to be on Instagram. So, um, the handle is provoked to proclaim. Um, I'm also on Twitter, but I think it's spelled differently because I didn't have enough letters. I think it's provoked to proclaim and then in proclaim the vowels are not in there. Okay. Um, and I think that's it. That's all I've got right now. I haven't, right. I haven't gotten on Facebook. So, <laughs> uh, you know what? I don't think you're missing out. It's kind of, I'm, I'm not, I know I'm not. <laughs> I will, I will link all of those, um, those social media outlets in, in the show notes. So thank you so much. Thank you, Haley. All right, guys. I hope that was an encouraging and informational episode for you. Uh, I know I really appreciated this conversation with Marcy and it just helped me, uh, process through some of the things that I have heard, but also, um, really rooting my belief in scripture rather than in what my fear of man would tell me or what my flesh would have me want to believe is is the right way to handle this. And I, I know that it can be hard and awkward. And uh, of course, it's fraught with opportunities for us to mess it up. But um, I, I think it's just important. We always go back to scripture and what does the Bible really say? And then, you know, not deciding that we are not going to um, follow what it says just because some people are doing it poorly or that they're, you know, not um, balancing or, uh, you know, appropriately handling grace and truth together, but rather looking to Jesus as our model of that and, and pursuing that, knowing that we're not going to do it perfectly, but doing that to the best of our ability. Okay, guys, uh, come find me on Instagram this week to say hi, HaleyWilliams.Kindled. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you catch every episode every Monday. And if you want more this Friday, come join me on Firestarters at Patreon.com slash Kindled Podcast. And as always, you can find show notes and all of my episodes and stuff at KindledPodcast.com. All right, have a great week.